Amen. Praise God. Started a series, a little mini-series. I mean, no, there's no such thing as mini-sermons when Pastor Aikens preaches. He preaches a long, long time. It's like going to the buffet. But anyway, Acts chapter 16, we're going to read some uh, news from the jailhouse. And I'll give you the title of the message in just a little bit. And I'd like for you to stand for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 23 of this chapter. And if you haven't got a Bible with you, it will be in lights. The Bible is always lit up here at Ozark Full Gospel Church. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, that's Paul and Silas, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Notice them, them, them. Don't miss that. Them, them, them. Now, who is the writer of the book of Acts? Dr. Luke. So where was Luke? Well, he said, them got in trouble. Now, what you need to understand is when Paul went to Troas, he picked up a young man by the name of Timothy, and then Luke was with him in Troas. He came from Troas because he got a message from uh, in a dream, come to Macedonia, to Europe. So he ends up here in Philippi, and you've got these four. You've got Silas and Paul and Timothy and Dr. Luke. But it is Silas and Paul that ends up being beat and thrown in jail. I think maybe the Lord said, I need two good singers. I want to beat two singers up. And maybe Luke wasn't or Timothy wasn't very good singers. I don't know. The question is simply this. Do you really want to be a good singer, knowing that they're going to be beat up and put in prison? Someone said, well, why wasn't Luke and Timothy there in prison? And the only thing that I can come up with is they escaped. Or maybe they didn't escape. Maybe Timothy having a Jewish mother, a Greek father, and Luke was a Greek Maybe Paul and Silas looked more like Jews. In our day, you're not supposed to notice that, but they did. And they took Paul and Silas and beat him up. And you go, go ahead and sit down. I've got started preaching, and we'll just go. We're in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, I'm just, you know, why read a bunch when I'm going to be going around and looking at some things? There is news from the jailhouse. I want to talk about that great news. And that news is the jailer got saved. That's what I want to use for a subject tonight. The jailer got saved. Not only him, but his whole household got saved. Now, Paul and Silas, they're in the marketplace, and they're sharing the gospel, according to the first part of uh, um, Acts chapter 16 on, and uh, Acts chapter 16, 16, and uh, there was a woman at the marketplace that was full of the devil. She was a fortune teller. She was a divination teller. She could look into the future and give predictions. She was a soothsaying person. And Paul, being grieved because this woman kept going around, in verse 17 saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. 
which show unto us the way of salvation. Well, what she said was exactly correct. But the Bible says in verse 18 that Paul, being grieved, turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. In other words, Paul cast the devil out of this woman. And when he cast the devil out of this woman, she was out of business. Let me tell you, friends, when the devil removes from your life, he's out of business when it comes to sinful wickedness in your life. Now, someone would say, well, why was Paul grieved about this woman who went around saying, these are the servants of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation? Now, that's correct. They did show the way of salvation. Why was Paul grieved? I want to begin by saying, don't be bad advertisement. She was bad advertisement. That's like a bald guy advertising hair grower. Amen? That's like Hunter Biden advertising H&R block tax program. Now, just because you toot your horn right, if you don't live your life for Christ, you're bad advertisement. And the church needs to have good advertisement. I don't care how pretty you can sing if you don't live the gospel. You're bad advertisement. I don't care how good someone can preach if they don't live the gospel, they're bad advertisement. Makes no difference what they say, that God is good, God is great. Now we thank him for our food, yah, 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 yah. It makes no difference. If you don't live a life for Christ, it's bad advertisement. Good advertisement is when you get beat up till you're bleeding, put in a prison, and at midnight you sing praises unto God and worship God, and everybody in the prison hears you worshiping and praising God at your lowest, darkest hour. That's good advertisement. When you live for God, no matter what happens in your life, that is good advertisement. Amen? And so at midnight, they're singing, verse 25, they're praying, they're singing praises unto God, and the Bible says the prisoners heard them. They're letting their light shine. They're in the darkness. We talked about this last time I preached on messages from the jailhouse. They're in the dark place. They've been taken to the inner dungeon, in the inner part of the prison, where it's darkest. I mean, they didn't turn on the lights for their prisoners. They just stuck them in the dark. The jailer put stalks on the feet of Paul and Silas, what the scripture says, and put them in the dark. And Paul and Silas sings praises unto God in the dark. Remember I mentioned last time I preached, music is powerful when it's sung in the dark. Music is powerful when it's sung in the clouds and in the storms. And so Paul and Silas are singing. Their music and their songs is coming out through that darkness into the outer chamber of the prison, and all the prisoners are hearing something good coming out of a dark place. I want you to know we as children of God live in a dark world, but we're something good. We're refreshing to the world, amen. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to understand that it's important that we have good advertisement, that we live for God, we serve God, we honor God, because people need to hear 
the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas could see the jailer, even the darkness of destruction. Now, you know the story. If you're a Bible reader, and if you're not a Bible reader, if you're a church attender, I'm sure that you've heard it mentioned that while Paul and Silas were singing, the singing was so bad, God sent an earthquake. No, that's not, that's not the way it reads. While Paul and Silas is singing and worshiping God, an earthquake comes. That earthquake wasn't sent by the devil. That earthquake was sent by God to loose the bands on every prisoner and open the prison doors. That earthquake was not sent to destroy, but to open the prison doors and to save the jailer. The whole miracle was about getting the jailer and his home saved. That's what the whole miracle is about. It's not about getting Paul and Silas out of jail. They'd get out the next morning anyway. They got out and back in, got out and back in. If you read this chapter 16, you'll discover they got out, went back in, got in, went in, and then Paul refused to go because they beat him openly, being a Roman, and it's illegal to beat a Roman citizen. And he said, they tell us to sneak out and go out of here, and he said, not on your life. The last part of chapter 16 says, they put us in prison publicly, and they can come and get me and lead me out publicly. Amen? I don't know about you, but if I was in jail and the, and the jailer says, you can go now, psh, I'm gone. Hello. In fact, I'm gone before they catch me to put me in jail. I'm like Timothy and Dr. Luke. I'll be somewhere else listening, waiting. And so we need to understand that while they're singing and worshiping the Lord, the earthquake comes. And that earthquake, I've heard preachers preach it was sent by the devil to kill everybody. No, it wasn't. It was sent by God to free everybody. Amen? See, so how do you know there's earthquakes from God? Because it didn't tear anything up. It just opened the doors and loosed the bonds off of people's hands. That's how God does God saves you without tearing everything up. Oh, he changes your life, but God is a healer, not a destroyer. And anything that he does destroy, you don't need it in your life anyway. Amen. Amen. And so they're singing. An earthquake comes. Prison doors are open. The shackles, the wooden stocks on their feet of Paul and Silas was loosed. And I could just hear Paul say, nobody move, freeze. Because he said, we're all here. The prisoners are all here. Obviously, the prisoners were sitting there listening to all this good music, and they're probably saying, I gotta, I've got to, we got to wait this thing out. We got to see what's going to happen. It was an exciting time. I've seen it in our church when we have a move of God, people don't want to go home. I'm serious. When we have a great move of God, nobody wants to go home. But when we don't have a great move of God, everybody wants to be in Taco Bell immediately or somewhere else. Or sometimes the message kind of gets on people's toes. I remember one time I went down to... Uh, I can't, Oak Ridge, I think, was the name of the place. And, and I was a young preacher, and, and I went in, and it was late at night, and it was on a Wednesday night, and the, they had about, oh, I don't know, four or five deacons there and their wives. And, and uh, they said, do you want to preach? And I said, sure. 
And so I got up and preached, hell, you're going to go to hell without Jesus. You don't live for God, you're going to hell. You're going to burn and squirm and fry and sizzle and bake in hell forever if you don't have Jesus. That's the only sermon I knew back then. And when I got done, those deacons jumped up with their wives, walked out the back of the church door and yelled at me, preacher, turn the lights out and lock the door on your way out. Well, they didn't fire me, but it kind of felt like I was. Amen? But Paul and Silas could see the jailer, even in the darkness. You could see the jailer there in the darkness and destruction. Because the Bible says that the doors were open, the jailer is about to kill himself. Pull out a dagger or a sword, and he's going to kill himself. And the reason he is is because understand prisons. The Roman Empire, they would hire individuals to collect taxes. And they would put them under contract. And then whatever extra money they would get, that was, that was theirs. You know, Rome expected so much. And after that, you could keep what's left. So everybody hated tax collectors because they were embezzling. They were getting money off of the, everyone. Prisons were the same way. Rome would hire people to make a prison. And when someone was put in that prison, they would require them to pay restitution if something went wrong. And if one of their um, inmates or one of their prisoners escaped, Rome was so destructive that they would kill the person, because the, the jailer, they would kill the jailer, the, the guardian of the prison, and they would torment him. And Rome was very heavily enamored and joyful about bad death. You know, crucifixion. You know, take them to the arena and let wild animals tear them apart. That kind of stuff. Skin them alive. Let them slowly die. And so the jailer is going to kill himself because he doesn't want the public humility, nor does he want to suffer a Roman death. And so Paul can see him. Paul's in the darkness, but Paul has his own light. Paul has his own x-ray vision. It's called supernatural Holy Ghost. Paul could see out of the darkness into the prison, and he could see that jailer about to kill himself. And Paul said, do yourself no harm. We are all here. That's why I think he said, freeze, nobody move. And so the jailer is touched in an incredible way. And I want you to know that you and I as Christians, we can see into the darkness. We can see we're not in the darkness, but we can see. We have our own light around us. We have our own glory of God around us. But we're in the world, not of the world. But we can see into the darkness because God has given us the ability to see the future because of the Word of God. See the future of people without Christ. And so we as children of God need to learn how to see people for their agony, for their torture, for their pain. Those are without Christ. Paul and Silas could see the jailer even in his darkness of destruction. He's about to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. 
We're all here. And so the jailer calls for a light. See, I told you it was dark where they were. And the jailer calls for a light, and he goes bounding in. He's trembling. He falls on his face in the presence of Paul. He's trembling and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's called conviction. Amen? And some of you need an earthquake in your life. People's foundations must be shaken. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love this, verse 30. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Isn't that good? A promise not only to you, but to your children, to your family, to your relatives. A promise to you that if you can get the gospel to them, God will save their soul. Amen? That's what this tent revival is about, getting the gospel to people. Now, he come trembling. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Saved from what? Now, you're saying, yes, amen, preacher, saved from hell. But let's stop and look at this in people that don't understand the scriptures. I mean, the jailer didn't understand. And he said, I want to be saved. Now, what is he asking to be saved from? Is he asking to be saved from suicide, self-destruction? How many know there's a world out there that needs to be saved from slow suicidal death, self-destruction? People that get polluted with drunkenness and alcoholism, self-destruction. People get polluted with with, with lust and sinful, wicked lifestyles, self-destruction. People get polluted with the covetousness of the world and desires of sin and wickedness, self-destruction. Don't you ever blame God if someone goes to hell. It is their choice. If someone says, I don't want God, God says, fine. When, it, when you reach the end of your journey, you won't have me. I don't know why people get so upset with God because, well, you know, God, he lets people go to hell. Well, you spend a lifetime saying, don't preach to me. People do. Not, not you. You guys enjoy it. But the lost world don't preach to me. Don't tell me what's right and wrong. I don't want your God. Don't want your Bible. I don't even believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I, I think you're all a bunch of heisters just trying to get rich off of the, uh, of the world and you're just embezzlers and you're religious, uh, 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 religious uh, heisters and, and, and you're, you're out here just doing your thing. You, you serve a God you can't see. You, you make up tales from the Bible that I don't believe. Get out of my presence. Don't come to my door. Don't tell me about Jesus Christ. I don't want God. I don't want your Bible. I don't want your preaching, I don't want your preacher, and I don't want your church. Well, when you die, you won't have none of those. Nor will you have God. He's only giving them what they want. They don't want it, God says, fine. You don't get it. I know that's a little hard preaching, but we're trying to get prepared here for revival. What was, the, what was the jailer saved from? 
Well, he was saved from suicide and self-destruction. Would you agree to that? He also was saved from the Roman world. He was saved from the Roman rule, the Roman world. And I want you to know that every Christian in this room, you've been saved from the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. You've been saved by the, from the God of this world. You've been saved from this world. You, your world is not here. Your world is heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You've been saved from this world. You're in it, but you're saved from this world. You're in a world that has graveyards, but you're saved from this world. You're in a world that has sickness and disease, but you're saved from this world. You're in a world that, that's full of wickedness and perversion and, and darkness and pain and so, but you are, you are saved from this world. Your world is in another place. Your, your home is in heaven. You've been saved from this world. They used to say all roads go to Rome. Well, I think Paul took every one of them. Now, Paul didn't take the sinful road, but Paul took every road to Rome because he wanted to let every person on those every road to Rome that there's a better life and you can be delivered from the powers of sin and death. Isn't that good? All roads lead to Rome. And a lot of folks say that and they mean something else by it, you know, sin or wickedness or whatever. But Paul went many ways to Rome. He backtracked and looped around, did a U-turn a few times. And when he finally got to Rome, they slammed him in prison. And then he leads guards that he's chained to to Jesus Christ. And he shakes the world from a Roman prison. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Someone ought to shout glory right there. Amen. Not only was he saved from suicidal self-destruction, the jailer, and from the Roman world, Rome wasn't going to destroy him. He was also saved from the doom of sin and hell. He was saved from the judgment of God condemned to a devil's hell. He was saved from his sin, saved from his iniquity, and saved from hell, saved from the, the, the death, of death, hell, and the grave, saved by the blood, the power, the life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, saved from fear, saved from doubt, saved from unbelief, saved from confusion, saved, 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 saved. Are you afraid? Saved. Are you worried? Saved. Did you ever sin? Saved. Do you have a past? Saved. No matter what I face in life, saved. Woo! Man, that's worth coming to church for. I didn't even know I was going to say that. Hallelujah. Saved. Saved from what? Well, you know, when you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, there's a whole lot of things you get saved from. But the main objective is to get to go to heaven and be a child of God and to refrain from going to a sinful hell. Now, the jailer comes bouncing in. In fact, in verse 29, he calls for a light, the jailer. He springs in and comes trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. How many would you agree 
that right there the jailer was living out his repentance. The jailer was living out his repentance. He came trembling. He fell down. And he asked them, what must I do to be saved? The Bible says he fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now notice verse 29, he called for a light. He sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Where did he fall down? In the inner prison. He fell down in the utter darkness. He fell down in submission to Paul and Silas. Then he brings him out in verse 30 and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, glory. Mm -mm -mm. I can feel it. I can taste it. I can smell it. This jailer was under conviction. This jailer was terrified, not of the earthquake, but terrified that these two beautiful songbirds Worshiping God, and he knew he didn't have it. And he knew that what happened around him was an act of God. And he come falling, falling down at the feet of Paul and Silas and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? After he brings them out, he says, What must I do to be saved? Now, listen to me. Look at the order. Here's the order. He runs into the inner prison, into the darkness, falls on his face, on his knees at the feet of Paul and Silas. First order. In his debris, in his fear, in his darkness, he falls at the feet of Paul and Silas. He's under conviction. He's under deep sorrow. He's trembling. And then he brings them out. And outside the prison, he says, now, sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, being saved always, it doesn't precede, it always follows conviction. Amen. Amen. And so one must be convicted, and one must have his foundation shaken in order to truly have a true conversion. Isn't this beautiful? I'll bring something out in just a minute, but I want to say this. The jailer was living out his repentance. And if you're a true Christian, you're still doing that. You didn't stop it after you got saved. When you got saved, you continued to walk in a life of repentance. The Christian life is not one experience. Repentance, bam, you're saved. Forget it, go on your way. No, the Christian life is being changed completely. Mind change, heart change, lifestyle change, a constant life of repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. That's being a Christian. Being a Christian is not getting a gold star at a Sunday school class. Being a Christian is getting changed and continuing to live for God, being good advertisement for the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know some folks that's not good advertisement for the Lord. So I'm praying desperately that they don't die on my watch and want me to do the funeral because I'm not in the mood to lie. Amen. Look at verse 29. Again, he called for a light. 
Salvation begins with a light. He springs in, comes trembling, falls down before Paul and Silas. It begins with conviction. He brings them out to serve. What must it be saved? And verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And who else? Your house. That's a pretty good promise. But remember, the house had to sit down and listen to Paul preach the gospel. Remember, the, say, the, the jailer hears the gospel message in this chapter 16, but all his family had to sit down and listen. All them religious people of his family, all those people that knew all about God, all them people that thought they knew everything about God in his family, all them, you know, know-it-alls in his family had to sit down, shut up, and listen. Oh, well, I'm trying to make friends. If I knew the song, I would sing, why can't we be friends? But anyway, <laughs> but I don't know the song, and I can't sing either, so it doesn't matter. Now, the Bible says that when he said, your family be saved, he gathered them together, verse 32, and Paul and Silas said, spake unto them, spake unto him the word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. So Paul presents the gospel to the jailer and his family. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're so convicted, the jailer in verse 33, he, the jailer, and he, the jailer, took them, that's Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his house, straightway, he and all his, straightway. And when he, now listen to me. And when he had brought them into his house, the jailer, he set meat before them. That's, that is relationship and, and, and fellowship. And he rejoiced believing in God with all his house. So the house got turned on to Jesus Christ. Jailer got turned on to Jesus. How many would like to see your family turned on to Jesus Christ? Well, they're not going to be turned on until we're good advertisement. They're not going to be turned on until God shakes the foundation of their life. I know we don't want any bad to happen to our family, but it might take a little bad to get them shook up enough to run to the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me just stop here. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Now, I want to bring up something because this is important that I bring it up. I'm going to jump ahead. Is that all right if I jump ahead a little bit? Say, do it, James. If it'll make the sermon shorter, jump ahead. <laughs> well, the next morning, Paul went back into the prison. Paul and Silas went back into prison after they ate and had the fellowship at the jailer's house, went back into prison. Can you imagine the jailer saying, you know, I don't know how to, and, you know, they had a good meal and the jailer's been saved, his house's been saved, and they've been baptized. And, he's, and he says to Paul and Silas, uh, I still have a problem. Paul says, what's your problem? He said, the jail's empty. And I hate to ask you to do this, but would you go back? <laughs> Hello? I don't know about you, but when the foundation began to shake in that earthquake... And when, the, when everyone began to feel that rumble and that power of God, and they began to feel that moving of the Spirit of God, and there was a, you know, the shackles were set free. 
Everything around them, their feet was loose, their hands was loose, the doors were open. Everything around them said, leave. And so Paul takes them back to prison. And the next morning, <laughs> the leaders, Roman authorities, the magistrate says, tell them they can go free. And Paul says, they took us in here. They beat us without trial. Us being Roman citizens, whoa. They were not allowed to do that. As a Roman citizen, they had rights. They were not to be judged and beaten, let alone. And the Roman rule didn't have 39-stripe minimum. There was no minimum. And Paul says, they beat us openly. They stripped us of our clothes. They put us in prison. They took us and put us in prison. We being Romans, if they want us out, have them come and get us and say, pretty please, pretty please, would you call out? He says, no, I'm not going out. Send them to me so they can lead me out like a parade. Amen. How many know when people get saved, there ought to be a parade? When God moves, there ought to be a parade. When God does great things, there ought to be a parade. Amen. Notice it says, we were thrust, verse 37, and they have beaten us openly, condemned being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now they have thrust us out privately, may neighborly, but let them come themselves and fetch us. And the surgeons or sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. Go away. Now remember this. There is no synagogue in Philippi. There's just some women at a Bible study. And so Paul starts a new church in Philippi with a few women, a jailer, and some prisoners and says to Dr. Luke, you stay here and pastor this bunch while we're gone. And Luke says, oh, oh, okay. And I'm not sure Luke was even called into that type of ministry. But look at verse 40. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. That's where the women were received the word of God. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. And he left the place according to the scriptures in the next chapter 17, left it with Luke, perhaps Timothy as well. But now you notice the phrase, them, 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 and they, 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 they. That's a clear indication that Luke was not involved, but he's writing about them. Now I'm going to come to one place that you need to understand because I hear preachers preach all the time. You got to repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the Holy Ghost because if you ain't been baptized, you're going to hell. Now, let's get something straight right now. First of all, the Bible says after he washed the stripes, verse 33, the jailer washed the stripes, those bloody stripes of Paul and Silas, and he was baptized, he and all his house straightway. Now, notice they heard the word of God in verse 30. Of 31, they heard the word of God, verse 31, 32. 
And the word was preached to them. And then in verse 33, the same hour of the night, they washed the stripes, Paul and Silas, repentance, fruits toward repentance, and was baptized, he and all his house straightway. Now, let me clear some things up. It doesn't say this is water baptism. Now, it may have been, but it doesn't say it was water baptism. We know that water baptism is a public expression. John the Baptist baptized people openly, publicly. Jesus said, go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost publicly. But let's understand that Romans chapter 6 is not about water baptism. Romans chapter 6 is about spiritual baptism into the church of Jesus Christ. It's about receiving the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the salvation of Jesus. And to have any interpretation other than this, you're putting works on your salvation. No one is saved by being water baptized. But if you are saved, you will be water baptized. And you say, well, what if I refuse God to send you a flood? You'll be water baptized. You'll get it. One way or another, you'll get it. But verse 33 doesn't say this is water baptism. Now, it might have been, but I don't understand why it would be water baptism at midnight in the dark. It's still at night. So it's not really a public profession. And so there's, there's no indication they went to a river or went to a body of water. It just says they were baptized. So maybe they were baptized not of water, Maybe they were baptized by the Spirit of God into the, ba- into the body of Christ. When they heard the Word of God, they washed the stripes of Jesus, uh, of Peter and, and Silas, and they loved God, and, and they heard the Word of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Notice it says the baptism is by the Spirit of God, and we've all been baptized into the body of Christ. You say, well, preacher, you still haven't convinced me. Well, fine. There's a river down there. Go for it. I'm not making light of water baptism. If you want to be baptized, I mean, Josh will take you down there right now and baptize you. I'm not against you being baptized, but it's not going to save you. It's just going to make you extremely wet. And if you, are, if you are a child of God, you should be baptized. I'm very proud of Dale. He was baptized. We got it on Facebook. He was baptized. All these years, he's never been baptized. He told me that he helped people be baptized. But all these years, he never was baptized. And then he got baptized here. What a blessing, Dale. What a blessing. Following the Lord. But I promise you that Dale had been saved many, many years prior to his baptism. Amen. You can't convince Dale that he wasn't saved till he got baptized in water. And you're not going to convince me. Amen. I was born at night, but not last night. Hello. And so we look at this and we look at Titus 3.5. Look at Titus 3.5. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. By the washing of what? Regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Salvation is done by being born of the Spirit of God. Salvation is being changed and convicted and transformed by the Spirit of God. You say, well, what does it mean there in John chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 and 5, uh, being uh, born of the water and the Spirit? Well, verse, the next verse says, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Being born of water just happened to be when you were born of your mother, out of, the, out of the, the breaking of water. You were born of flesh, but that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. I'm a child of God because the Spirit of God has transformed me. I'm a born-again child of God because the wind came, the Spirit came, the conviction came, God came, and the Holy Ghost emerged me into the body of Jesus Christ, and by the blood of Christ, I'm forgiven. By the death of Christ I'm saved and by the resurrection of Jesus Christ I am preserved forever saved 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 have you been baptized I have early March I still on the river it was cold the preacher said are you cold I said I ain't lying to you I'm freezing Would I be baptized again? Well, if I ever get to go to Israel, I probably would be baptized in Jordan just for sentimental reasons. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. Hello? Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me take you one more place. I hadn't planned on this. You don't have it on the screen, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul is talking about his ministry. Same guy that was in prison that talked to the jailer. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. There was conviction. He was transformed by the Spirit of God, and he's saved. Here's what Paul said. For Christ, well, back up to verse 16. Well, back up to verse 14. Well, just back up to verse 13. I mean, it's okay to back up in the Bible. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say, I had been baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Not going to add works to the cross. Not going to add pluses and minuses to the cross. I'm going to preach the gospel, and Christ sent me not to baptize. And let me ask you a simple question. Come on now. Your IQ's got to be more than a centipede. Let me ask you a question. 
If God sent Paul to baptize and preach the gospel and get people saved, if it's required to be water baptized to be saved, why in the world would Paul say, Christ sent me not to baptize? And the great truth was where Jesus, remember, I think we read this in the fourth chapter of St. John, might have been the, la- the third chapter, the last part of the third chapter of St. John, the fourth chapter. It says that the disciples baptized people, and some were concerned because John was baptizing Jesus. The disciples of Jesus were baptizing more than John. And then it went on to say, but Jesus himself baptized no one. His disciples baptized people. Peter baptized people. John baptized people. Bartholomew baptized people. Andrew baptized people. Jesus didn't. Got another one for you. Judas baptized people. Judas Iscariot, not Judas Thaddeus. Judas Iscariot baptized people. How'd you like to be in that crowd? Bless God, I was baptized by the one that betrayed Jesus and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. I don't know about you, but I think I'd be looking up someone to baptize me again. But the Bible said that Jesus himself baptized no one. Why? Because John the Baptist said he wouldn't baptize you with water. John the Baptist says he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He says, I baptize you with water under repentance, but there comes one mighty than I, whose shoes I'm unworthy to stoop down and loose the latches thereof. He it is that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so you'll either be baptized with the Holy Ghost, which includes some fire, but, but then again, <laughs> the fire can also mean hell. Jesus will either baptize you into the presence of God, into the good, goodness of God, into the Holy Ghost, baptize you in the Holy Ghost. But if you're not, he'll baptize you into the lake of fire someday. It's your choice. So well, that's not very Pentecostal. I'm not trying to be Pentecostal. I'm trying to be biblical. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to being Pentecostal. What I am opposed to is being too proud that you are. I'm not opposed to being Baptist. What I am opposed to is being too proud that you are. I'm not opposed to being a member of Ozark Full Gospel Church, but I'm opposed to you being too proud of it because it has nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with your advertisement. Amen. I know you wasn't expecting this tonight, but I want you to understand that all of us need to work at being good advertisement for Jesus Christ. And when that jailer was saved, convicted, fear gripped his heart. He heard the word of God. He washed those stripes of Paul inside. He's washing, he's washing those bloody wounds. I believe, I don't know, I can't prove this, but I believe that while that jailer was washing them bloody wounds, tears were streaming down that jailer's face. He was sobbing. Maybe he had something to do with that. I know he had something to do with the stalks on their feet. And he's washing their feet. He's washing those bloody wounds. Tears are streaming down his cheeks. He's already heard the word. He's believed in Jesus Christ. Love of God's been shed abroad in his heart. 
I can't prove it, but I think maybe while he was washing the stripes of Jesus, or Paul and Silas, while he was washing the stripes of Paul and Silas and crying and sobbing, that may have been when the Holy Ghost baptized him into Jesus. That may have been when the Holy Ghost, by one spirit, baptized him into the body of Christ. That may have been one, and that may be why you have the connection and they were baptized. I'm not here to, to, to um, debate or apologetics about baptism. I'm just here to tell you that a life changed has nothing to do with water baptism. And I'm not here to go into apologetics and dispute with you because you may think that you've got to be water baptized. If you do, go for it. Go for it. But don't put heavy weights on people that can't walk. They can't. And don't tell me that Dale wasn't saved until he just got baptized recently. Don't tell me that. I don't believe that for a second. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Come and bring a song. We're going to give an invitation. Now, we're going to invite you tonight. I've went a little longer, but I've got the spirit to preach on me. Yeah, and I may do some preaching in the tent revival. I might just extend it so I can preach some. I don't know. I've got the itch. I might extend it a little bit so I can preach, and Josh maybe can preach some. We'll have a good time. We're going to have a good tent revival. It'll be warm. It'll be warm. I promise you, you won't freeze out. But we'll have a good time. I want to ask you tonight, and I'm not going to put more on you than I, I realize it's starting to get a little late, and we don't want to keep bury, uh, burden you with time. But I want you to understand that now's the time to start praying for your household. Now's the time to start advertising and be a good advertisement. There are those that won't come into this building, but they'll go under that tent. There are those that won't come in here, but they'll sit in their cars outside and listen. This is your chance to pray for your household. This is your chance to pray for your neighbors. This is your chance to pray for your house and be good advertisement. Invite people to come out to the house of the Lord or the, the tent of the Lord. And let's worship and let's praise God. Let's believe God for some people saved. Let's just believe God for families coming into the church. How many like to see some of your family come into the church? Yeah. And so we want to be good advertisement. And we want to encourage people to follow the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. God's going to sing. We're going to invite you. You can pray at your seat or you can come to an altar. Say, Lord, I just want to ask you to draw my family. I just want to ask you to draw my house so that they'll be saved too. That they'll give their hearts to Christ.